This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael uh, in the studio with you, along with our good friend and now becoming more frequent podcast visitor, Dave Swanson. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good, good. Dave is from Thrive Financial, one of our benefactors, sponsors, and you may be wondering, why does the Village Church Q&A podcast need a sponsor? Well, have you ever wondered how amazing it sounds? Well, that comes back to uh, Dan, our producer, who is amazingly handsome and studious. Uh, <laughs> it also comes down to um, some of the gifts that have been given. So even our microphones right now, um, part of Thriving. So if we sound good, then it's a combination of Dan's awesomeness and Thriving's generosity. So um, I want to thank you guys for being here. We get a lot of questions on money, and I uh, thought it'd be great to have you in and just tackle some of these. Mm-hmm. The question today is about tithing. Uh, this is to be honest, it's confusing. Um, it's frustrating for many people. This subject brings um, many, many people to a place of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also hard when you come to Christ and uh, you want to give him more, but you've accumulated debt in a standard of living that really puts your pocketbook on the edge, you know, so you don't really have a lot of margin or leverage for generosity. And mm-hmm. so the question goes like this I give two to 3% on average. Is that enough? kind of a trick question. Is it enough? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the question even assumes there is a standard, right? right? And typically, Dave, the standard way that Christians have talked about tithing has been what percentage? 10%. 10%, which is technically what the word tithe means. What the word means. (laughs) So that kind of makes sense. But there is a little bit of confusion on that. And so the Village Church, we actually don't tell people percentage, not because we're trying to be unbiblical, because the New Testament does not seem to place a mandated percentage on every believer. In fact, the principle seems to be more uh, pray, see what God says to give and give that. So like if we say 10%, that might be the floor, not the ceiling for Mm -hmm. some people. You know, the Lord might want you to give 70% or 12% or 18%. And and so by putting out this mandate of 10%, what we do is often enable people to give less than what God wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just talk about this question. I want to, I want to kick, I want to punt to you because uh, I'll let you be the bad guy. Yeah. Is two to 3% enough? How should I think about generosity? If this is where I'm at, which statistically, by the way, two to 3% is the average of what the average evangelical mm-hmm. gospel believing Christian tithes, quote unquote. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And it's a question that is, like you said, it's rife with shame and guilt mm-hmm. and confusion because I grew up in a Baptist church as a kid. I just remember hearing about the tithe and just kind of assumed my whole life for the most part, or as a kid, that a tithe was just, that's what you do. You give 10%. And I didn't realize that the word barely occurs at all in the New Testament. And that's not because God wanted us to stop giving. It's it's actually the opposite. And what you see is the principle of law and gospel at work here. The tithe was prescribed by the law. You can really go back as far as Abel giving his offering to God. The actual origin of the tithe in the Old Testament is in Genesis 14, where Abraham, after a victory in war, gives 10% of the spoils to Melchizedek, who mm-hmm. is the king of Salem. And whoever that is. Yeah. Jerusalem. Mm, nice. <laughs> yeah. So under the law, you have this. And so Israel was then commanded you know, by Moses, the law that was given to Moses by God to give a tenth of their income, which 
would have been their crops, their crops, animals, and like that, exactly yeah. their yields. Agricultural, yeah, culture right. is different. Yeah, and so when this is carried over into the New Testament, you know, when you do see it, there's there's kind of an assumption that the the Jewish Christians still wanted to follow the law, so they still, you know, the tithe for them was something that they would have continued to observe. But mm-hmm. for new believers, Paul brings in this whole new gospel concept of God loving a cheerful giver, yep. giving from the heart, and there's no there's no limit to the tithe or to the gifts and offerings in the New Testament. It's an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness and generosity back towards God, recognizing everything that he has done for us, mm. both in Christ and in providing for our, our daily needs. Yep. And everything that we have belongs to him. And, and our gifts and our offerings are a way of giving back to him, recognizing his authority in our lives and recognizing his goodness to us. Yep. The tithe What's interesting is it was the first 10%, but it was not the only required giving. After you get to feasts, festivals, yearly, um, annual, expected law-mandated gifts, you're in the low 20% of giving for the average Jew. And on top of that, there were free will offerings that were above and beyond that. And so when you look at, well, what did the average Jewish person give? The 10th was a certain kind of gift, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't the totality of their gifts. Now, one of the distinctions, which is really important, is that they would give to the temple as well. And what they were doing, these were sort of like their taxes, because in a theocracy, um, the government is running a whole bunch of stuff. And so it was a combination of giving towards worship and giving towards administration under the rubric of a theocracy. And that ended Mm -hmm. up being, you know, 20 some percent plus, depending on their free will generosity. And so when we think about our tithing, if you will, I think it's interesting that the Christian church grasped onto this 10% thing because Mm -hmm. the 10% thing was by every metric, the floor. It was not the ceiling. Right. That was like the minimum. In fact, if you gave 10%, you were considered stingy and rebellious. Until your actual generosity hit something like in the 20-something percent, you weren't even really giving the full scope to God of what he asked for. So like Mm -hmm. in the Christian tradition, I do think there is this misnomer that God wants the first 10% and the rest, you know, you can do whatever you want with. And this is where I think you're hitting the nail on the head. That was law. Right. Mm-hmm. But law has been done with. We have a new law, which is the law of Christ. It's the law of grace. And uh, we do not live under the old covenant law. Every single one of them were nailed to the cross. It's done. We're, it's just gone. They don't hover over us anymore. But the principle now is pray about it and give cheerfully. It might be 40%. Mm-hmm. There's some pastors who wrote books and made a lot of money. They give 90%. Mm-hmm. You know, I really find that the tradition, the historical understanding of the 10% has done more damage to the church than it has done good. And on that being said, though, let's get back to the question. Two to three percent. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? How should I process tithing if that's kind of where I'm at? So if I'm working with somebody and I'm I'm looking at their budget and we're doing this, one of the things I I do like to start with the number of 10%, not, not as a rule because people should be giving, but there's a, an interesting principle at work and something that happens when you start budgeting with people and and you realize that they're spending all of their money and they're getting to the end of the month and the paycheck is gone and there's still days left in the month. When you get people onto a budget and say, put 10%, and it doesn't have to be, like you said, it mm-hmm. can be 2%, 5%, whatever it is. And when you decide that that money's going out first as recognition that it all belongs to God in the first place and that I'm going to trust him what also happens is as you start going through your month and you realize, well, that 5% is gone. Yeah. I have to start being more 
discerning with my spending. I have to start paying more attention to how I'm spending my money. Which is why people who tithe end up finding they have more money than less because it changes your entire framework, intellectual framework of how you view money. And so instead of putting it on people as an extra burden, the goal of doing it within a budgeting process is to help people realize that you're going to find out where you're spending more money than you realize or unnecessary spending. And you might even get to the point where, well, in order to be able to give to the church or give to a missionary or something like, you know, along those same lines, well, maybe there's something that I have to give up. Mm. And, and that's a good thing to learn to sacrifice little things here and there mm. in order to be able to give to the work of the kingdom of God. Which is very counterintuitive for a lot of mm -hmm. Americans. Exactly. We give only from our excess, right. often not from our sacrifice. And that, I'm just talking about above and beyond giving there, you yeah. know? Let me just speak candidly as a pastor. I, I understand the finances of our church. I understand how it runs mm -hmm. and what the demands are and the expectations and also the overarching need to accomplish the mission of a church in suburban America. And I'll just say this. If everybody in the church gave 2 to 3%, the church would fold. Mm -hmm. Let me just be really clear. What most people who are giving 2 to 3% don't realize is that the the church, there are people all around them who are giving 10 and 20% regularly. And in their brain, two to 3% feels generous, mm -hmm. but two to 3% is an unsustainable amount for a church to run on. It, it just is. And so I think one of the, one of the things that God understood when he was orchestrating, organizing the, in the tabernacle system is that in order for things to run, it does require a good amount of resources. That's just life and money and whatnot. And I think a lot of people, what I find is they don't really understand how many thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars people give every single year, and they're not making $400,000 a yep. year. There are people who are making $70,000, $80,000 a year, and they give $15,000 on the front end for tithe, if you will, or for their you know giving to the church. It's all about how you build your standard of living. Mm -hmm. If you build your standard of living off of your home and your car payments and your entertainment, and then your giving is left over, it will always be two to 3%. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if your giving is first, you get to actually choose the percentage. The problem with most people, I think, is that they didn't probably realize this teaching until after they had already built a standard of living, Right. which is, again, I don't blame them for that. That just, that is sometimes like we can't know what we don't know and I can't practice what I have not been convicted of. And so I have a lot of grace for people who are in this place, but I also want to look at them and say, the church and the mission and your soul, you need to build generosity in first, not last. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a principle of first fruits, which actually applies in both Testaments. You give yeah. your first and you give your best for the Lord's mission. Now that might sound harsh to some people. I don't mean to be harsh necessarily, but I do want to poke. I do want to challenge mm -hmm. and say two to 3% is not a lot and it's unsustainable for the church if everybody did that. Yeah. And I can sit down with somebody when I'm going through with someone's budget, I can show them what they're spending more than two and three percent on that are totally discretionary spending. And it's not it's not hard to see that two to three percent is not a lot of money. Yep. It really isn't a ton. But then again, if I make a hundred million dollars a year, two to three percent, it could be our church's entire yearly budget, you know? Yeah. But for most people, we're talking about the average person in America with the average income, if you will. Um it's interesting because we talked, I think it was last week we were talking about the average American, what is the percentage of Americans that have um they, they don't even have $1,000 in the bank for an emergency fund. 
Yeah. I, I remember, was, I don't remember the statistic, yeah. but I do remember talking it was, about it. It was crazy. And the stats were no different for people who made $150,000 a year. I mm -hmm. think it was like 60% of Americans don't have $1,000 in the bank. And 60% of people who make $150,000 or more don't have $1,000 in the bank. They, they're in and out. They're living paycheck to paycheck. That's just an interesting world. And of course, if I'm there, mm -hmm. I don't even have 2%. Like 2% living paycheck to paycheck is stifling and suffocating. And uh, I get it. I have a lot of empathy. And I think that the reason this is such a personal issue or such a touchy issue is because it challenges our standard of living mm. and it challenges our faith. Because in order to start giving, it's going to make us reexamine the things that we spend all of our money on. Yeah. And it's going to make us go, do we really believe when we say that we know God will provide for us, tithing or, or giving or offering is really putting our money where the mouth are putting our money, our money where, where our, our mouths are, are. Yeah. <laughs> our. Plural. single plural. <laughs> yep. So I think that's one of the reasons that it's so difficult for people to get yeah. started on it. But I'll tell you this, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who has started faithfully giving and consistently giving and then regretted it and gone back yep. and said, you know, God didn't provide. And in terms of going back to the Old Testament in Malachi, I think it's chapter three. It is one of the few places that God says to test him. Mm. He does in Malachi three, he says, with your tithe, it says, test me. Mm. And I don't know anybody who has has tried God on that one yep. and had God proven wrong. It's interesting because inversely, he also says to not do it is to rob me. Yeah. Like that, it's really interesting language. And again, we're talking about the Old Testament, you know, system here. Mm -hmm. And the way I would apply that to the New Testament is if the Lord presses something in your heart and you don't do it out of fear, or lack of faith, you're literally taking what God has asked you to give him, which is his anyways, and you're withholding it from him, you're robbing him, you know? Yeah. So rather than saying, if you don't give God 10%, you're robbing him. I would just say, go home and pray. What does the Lord really want you to do? Now, here's where I want to just give a lot of grace to people. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the one to two percent or two to three percent, I really sense that God is like, you need to be at ten or twelve. I know that for some people that's crazy talk, but <laughs> like God tends to be a little bit crazy with going after our money yeah. because He understands the greatest threat to our relationship with Him is our love for money and stuff. Mm -hmm. So God is almost always really, really more generous than we hear His Spirit saying. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but this is where I would look at people and say, okay, rather than go from two percent to ten percent in six months, give yourself five years. Set a goal because I'd rather get there inevitably than never. And if you never set a long-term goal and make measurable movements, maybe you do something where every year you get a percentage raise and you split that percentage between your tithe and your income until you get to a 10%, you know, mm -hmm. and you just go at a pace as the Lord provides you get there, but it all requires praying about it mm -hmm. and trying to get the Lord's heart for this. So let me ask you a question. Let's say I'm, I'm an average Christian. I feel like, and legit, I feel like two to 3% is like, man, that's like, they're lucky they get that, you know? Um, why? Like, compel me. Why, why should I want to give more? Why should I, why should I even perceive 10% as the floor rather than the same? I mean, I would, I would say that scripture needs to be the motivator for us. Second Corinthians nine, six, and seven. I quote, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, yep. not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think the way that I would make the argument or try to motivate you is that look what God says. He He doesn't even want you to give under compulsion. He doesn't yep. want you to give reluctantly. God wants your heart to be so changed that your desire is to give. Yep. So if your goal is to get there, first of all, repent, pray and say, God, you know, my heart is not in a place where I have any desire to give. I don't trust you or I don't feel like I have enough income or I don't feel like I have the things that I need or every month it seems like there's no money left at the end of the month. Mm. Pray about that and say, God, I trust you. I want to trust you. But the reality is my giving says that I don't. Yep. But I want my heart to change. I want to desire to give. So if there is someone who hears this and uh, they feel like, let's say me, I'm a pastor, right? Because you know the narrative, all the pastors want is my money, right? Mm -hmm. Fine. If they hear guilt, like we're trying to guilt, is that our intention or is that the is that the primary way that we should motivate people to give? Guilt is the world's worst motivator. Isn't it? Because guilt doesn't operate on the heart. Guilt only gets you to do the bare minimum. It gets you to do only what you have to do to get out from under fear or punishment. Yeah. Wow. But it never dude. gets you to a place That's where- That's a sermon, dude. <laughs> wow. It never gets you to a place where you are doing it out of joy. And the Christian life is one where of obedience from joy, mm. not compulsion. From guilt giving to grace giving. Absolutely. That'll be that's gonna be the sermon title of our January eighth sermon on generosity. Awesome. Done. Thanks for that. You just literally wrote my whole sermon for me. <laughs> that was so great. This has been profitable for me to just processing this and and regularly, you know, the feelings we gotta go back and just say, okay, gotta where we where you want us to be, what are the needs? I think this is good just for everybody. And so for our audience to hear this and to say, like, we have no desire for your money. I tell our church often, mm -hmm. if you feel in any way, shape, or form that we have any ulterior motives in asking you to give more, give it to another church. Mm -hmm. um, whatever you need to do to be generous until you actually believe and understand that our motive is only for your good. But we got to start, you know, and um, it's just a good discussion. So... Dave, any final closing comments on tithing before we wrap up? Yeah, just a personal story here for me. So I just got married uh, a year ago, October of 2015. Corey and I decided that like, no matter what, we are going to tithe. For us, it was just 10% was our floor. We're starting at 10. And then over the course of the next several years, we want to increase that um, to another 5% at least that is that goes to other things outside the church, like missions and things like that. And over the course of this year, um, I, I had a job change about four months ago and my income went from kind of half of our income to almost none of our income for the first several months here. And in that time, we have seen God be so faithful that, that my wife, she's a hairstylist and we've seen her workload literally double. I didn't know she was a hairstylist. What can she do with our, our well? If you notes? and me, she can do uh, <laughs> nothing. Not even not even nothing. Uh, no interests, and <laughs> there's nothing for her there. Um, but we have seen God provide in such a way that, as my income went to very little to nothing, we've still been able to pay our bills, save for retirement, and do all that stuff. And He's just absolutely provided for us. Yep. Amen. God is good. God is good. All the time? All the time. God is good. 
Village Church, thanks for, for joining us. And uh, Dave, thank you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your wisdom. Appreciate just your story. And I and, uh, appreciate, I think, Thriving's been able to do to, to help Village and help the q and podcast. And love you guys. And love you. And it's good to be your pastor. Good to be your friend. And uh, you're going to come back, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. All right. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks.